I, I was indeed a trumpeteer, yes. Which is how I described it and how everyone ought to describe it. That's the exact thing. That's like the reason we brought you on is because you're a trumpeteer. I feel like it's just really important to have that sort of representation for like um, a theistic film. Yeah. Like they just, they just released this fucking movie, uh, Whiplash. It's about a drummer. And it's like, when are we going to see a movie about a trumpeteer, you know? Yeah, yeah they just released it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you could have had more visibility as a trumpeteer if uh, that one day in high school that we were preparing for a play together and I was really manic. And I said, hey, hold still. I think it'd be funny if we put little red clown circles on your cheeks. You would have been much more visible, but you would not let me. And instead, you became my friend of a decade plus. I was foolish to say no to that, but I was even more foolish to get involved in high school putting on a play in the first place. We have to bleep out the name of the high school that we went to. I do not want people looking that up. What do you think will happen? I don't I don't know. I'm a I'm a public tranny. I have if we ever get fans, it, I will attract weird ones. But they will be able to fix Dixon's computer. <laughs> I played tennis on the courts. You can bleep that out too. You just bleep out like half the words in that sentence. <laughs> just bleep out tennis but leave the school. <laughs> I played tennis on the high school bleep. You better believe it. Speaking of things you better believe. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You know, I've always wondered to myself, why can't flicks be pure? (laughs) And in 2005, what the fuck is his name? David uh, A.R. White uh, founded a production company to answer just such a question. And the American independent film landscape has been uh, richer for it. Because where else would we get uh, stirring stirring films like this one um, that ask questions like, imagine, imagine all the wisdom that campus service workers must overhear um, from thought leaders like Josh Wheaton. Yes, the... I, I just want to say that the hero of this movie is the person that my dad refers to when he's talking about the creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> Josh Wheaton. Yeah. What does it mean that they that they named him, like, Stevia Spielman? Like, what's up with that? <laughs> what What's up with naming a character like Christina Nolana? Like, do, do they think... <laughs> Do they think we don't know who that is? Frankie Forb coupling. <laughs> Welcome to Dead Horse, a podcast mm-hmm. about underseen, underdiscussed, overextended film franchises. And today is a very special day. Mm-hmm. We're talking mm-hmm. about the God's Not Dead franchise. Finally. Um, 
Uh, PJ, would you like to introduce our guest? Um, I would fucking love to introduce our guest. Um, here to talk with us today about the 2014 film of the cinema of of the movies on the silver screen, God's Not Dead. Um, one of my dearest, oldest, uh, easily smartest uh, friends and nemeses. We have... Um, we have poisonous uh, left-wing academic, uh, historian, uh, trumpeteer, um, poster, uh, please tell me if there's any other honorifics that I'm forgetting. David Parker is in the fucking stable. What are you doing here? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's really terrific to be here uh, as probably the single most dedicated fan of this podcast by far um and uh what what am i doing here i don't have a particular personal connection to this movie you know unlike casper this isn't a movie you watch when you're four years old and it leaves an indelible impression on your plastic infantile brain (laughs) no i watched this movie as a joke and I watched all four of the movies as a joke. Um, and uh, that's broadly speaking why I'm here. However, I do think that the series itself and the trajectory tells us some things, possibly even interesting things, about the right, the American rights trajectory over the last eight years or so. Because, I mean, like I'm, I'm sure this occurred to all of you, or perhaps only to me because I have... Trump derangement syndrome but 2014 (laughs) when this film was released is a pre-Trump America Uh, but the later entries in the series you know one of them comes out in I don't know 2020 2021 Um, so you are going to be able to watch a uh, a really (laughs) a descent into hell yeah, that you know, if I were to describe the series trajectory in one word, it would be degenerate. <laughs> it degenerates. <laughs> and like, I know, I know, you just slog through this one movie and you're thinking, how could a movie possibly get any worse than this? And I'll tell you, without spoilers, it'll get more boring at points. <laughs> And I know that's also hard to believe after you've gotten out of this first one. They'll also get more insane in its in the politics that it advocates, in the calls to action. Now, I will say that the movie's call to action at the end of this one, send 100 text messages, <laughs> is also insane. Um, but I'm uh, to get back to why... I am relevant. I'm just somebody who's really obsessed with the American right. And I read a lot of right wing shit rags and (laughs) keep up with the various, you know, journalists and thought leaders and currents. Um, And uh, so, you know, when I heard that y'all were doing God's Not Dead, you know, I essentially harassed and bullied um, PJ into ensuring that I would uh, be on an episode to discuss it. Oh, I guess I'm also... A PhD student who's studying history and aspires to be an academic, which perhaps gave Shame uh, on you. PJ the uh, mistaken impression that I would have some unique insight to offer about this film's very realistic, fastidiously <laughs> researched depiction of humanity's academia. I'm loving 
the lecture that you're already bringing, but are you just doing it to humiliate me? In front of my students? You should confront me in an elevator. And loom over me and say, So you think you're pretty smart, huh? I'm going to grab your shoulder and leave a bruise that that lasts over a week. Even though I'm faculty. Those, Those were the moments in the movie when I was, like, most closest to enjoying myself. Because, like... There are there's like multiple scenes where Kevin Sorbo confronts Joss Whedon outside of the classroom, and he's always so intense. But the stakes are so low. For I know it's like there's no like outcome besides maybe the students don't fully agree. Like there's no, like he's not gonna lose his job. Like there's nothing. <laughs> Let me no no no. Let me lay something out. We haven't even really told the listener all that much about the franchise we're doing, about this particular movie, about what wh- why are we covering it? Why is it interesting to us? Here is something that is important to me. Jo- Joss Whedon is best as I can tell. The only Christian person of faith in the entire 80-person classroom who would have any problem being told by a professor to write the word God's not dead on a piece of paper and turn it in. Everyone else... Everyone else is firmly committed to atheism, but at any given time, very vulnerable uh, to the seductive lore of evangelical Christianity and how much of a world it just opens up to you when you only watch movies like this. Um, <laughs> he, There's a lot at stake here because he has an almost completely atheist classroom. And if he lets his facts and logic get destroyed... They will find out that God is real and that the professor just hates God. This must be incomprehensible to the listener, but I'm mad. None of these other students have ever really heard anything about God one way or the other. It's like their brains, in terms of where the wrinkles are, have male pattern baldness. Yeah. Like, all of the other high school things surround the base of the brain like a horseshoe, but the second they're asked to consider a higher power, it is smooth as a little pink marble. G-Dog is very impressionable, and so... G-Dog! We, there's a lot to say about... It's a little less present in this movie. There's a lot to say about the racial politics of this series. You know, I do want to say that one of the students, the Chinese exchange student. Martin Yep. He he wasn't familiar with God because he came from oppressive Marxist China. That's an important plot point. So, you know, bear that in mind. You know, he talks to he talks to Joss like Data asking Picard why humans play the violin. <laughs> <laughs> You can shit on this movie all you want. I loved it. (laughs) I fucking love this movie. I had so much fun. (laughs) I yeah. Okay, I texted a few friends at the end. (laughs) Did you text a hundred friends? Yeah, because I care about everybody's salvation. Sorry, sorry if that's not cool anymore. (laughs) Um. I honestly, like, fuck, I was, I was laughing so hard. I just had so much fun watching this. I could not believe, like, I can't, I actually would love to give a summary unless anyone else is dying to. And I might 
I might fuck it up, but I was there's just so much juicy shit to get into. <laughs> oh, yeah. undeniably, there are a lot of plot lines in this movie, more than you'd expect going in for a movie that's a feature-length adaptation of a fucking meme. <laughs> Picture a movie of the likes of New Year's Eve, okay? We've oh, got wow. 18 different plot lines loosely tied together between the sister of this character is actually the teacher of this character and then we got so there's like this like loose link between everybody what i will say is (laughs) everybody's looking for god you know in one way (laughs) or another and most of them are failing which is (laughs) sad um so we have our hero Josh. 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 <laughs> Josh. We have our hero, Josh Wheaton. He is our uh, freshman student, comes into a philosophy class. Uh, it is Kevin Sorbo playing Professor Radisson, um, who is, he is a no-nonsense Dawkins-ass atheist, and he's here to make these kids sign their life away the way every good teacher does. They make you prescribe to their point of view before you you even do any learning. (laughs) So he wants you to write God's God is dead, and then sign your name. Josh can't do it. He's got too much integrity. He's too good, a, too good of a guy. So, <laughs> Professor Radisson says you can take the next three classes. At the end of every class, have a twenty-minute lecture, generous, to convince everyone that God is dead, and then we'll see what happens at the Wait, end. That God is not dead. Excuse me. Yeah, that God is He's not dead. Alive. What are you pushing on this podcast, Becky? <laughs> He's uh, living on the inside. So, as you were saying, Professor Radisson says, hey, what's 20 minutes of my lecture every week for three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> it's very important to note that Professor Radisson threatens Josh not with failing the class, but... By failing a portion of the class worth 30% of his grade. So (laughs) best case scenario, best case scenario, assuming that fail doesn't mean you lose the full 30%, Mm -hmm. is that if Josh fails in this debate, he can't do better than a B. (laughs) (laughs) He can't do better than an 85%. And worst case scenario... He can't do better than a C minus or a C, depending on the grading scale employed <laughs> by, um, I actually wrote this down, employed by Hadley University, um, which is, anyway, um, Made sorry up. to interrupt. Please, <laughs> yeah. I need more. Uh, I Wait. should be a homemaker anyway, so I don't really know what I'm doing here. Um, oh, we, oh, there's... <laughs> Some, uh, we will. Some interesting gender politics in this movie as well. <laughs> Josh's girlfriend is fucking pissed. She has been planning their life together basically since the day she was born. And him pulling these hijinks and all this hoopla has got her upset. So she says, you better quit this lecture or I'm fucking done. And she and he's like, I guess we're done because I love God. And she's like, she's super hurt. But, you know, she's Christian too, but not as much. So we come across various characters. I'm going to loosely name them. One of them is a very tastefully represented... <laughs> 
Muslim mm. American <laughs> named Mina who wears hijab to her job on the campus because her dad is very traditional, but in the privacy of her own bedroom, closes her eyes and listens to sermons because Jesus Christ is actually her savior. On her um, Bible we- iPod. Her bipod. Her her father is a um well there's simply no way to describe that character without being racist. Yep. Right? Yep. Like How about he hits his daughter, so that's enough. <laughs> he does Facts. full full hit. A full hit, you know, just really good representation. We've got Martin Yip. He is a Chinese transfer student who's never heard of God, I feel like, before this class. So that's cool. We've got um, Reverend Dave, who, why is he in the movie? Why is he here? Why, he are, why are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern there? I just want to I, I deliver you some bad news, which is that um, Pastor Dave is going to be in every movie. Okay, so then we got Reverend Dave who can't start a car. He keeps getting in with his friend who just flew in, and these cars just won't start, but God is good. Sorry, that sounds so vague, but that's a really big plot point in the movie. It's like a huge part of it. Okay, so our main main antagonist, again, is Professor Radisson, whose partner is an ex-student, red flag, um, and she's a Christian, so, like, he hates that she's, like, thinking about Christianity, talking about it, stuff like that. Um, There's, like, one more... There's two more plot lines. There's a reporter who's, like, an absolute disgusting lib reporter who, like, does deserve the cancer she gets. Um, And then there is... Uh, her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, who's, like, truly a sociopath, he breaks up with her because she tells him that she has cancer and he finds it really inconvenient. And he is the brother of Professor Radisson's partner. See, this is where we get into the New Year's Eve element. Everybody's linked. It's absolutely incredible cinema. So... So Josh is absolutely slaying these lectures. He has got a ton of sick facts, and <laughs> Professor Radisson is getting owned. <laughs> and and really nervous because he's getting fully humiliated, which is not even the vibe, but that is what he says very aggressively to Josh. Aisha gets uh, found out by her dad that she's a Jesus follower and he kicks her out of the house. She seeks refuge at Reverend Dave's and um, Professor Radisson gets broken up with by his girlfriend because he's been like, he's just a huge misogynist and makes her feel really bad at a dinner party that she threw for him. And is an indentured servant at. Yeah, like 100%. (laughs) So sad. Scary. There's a final showdown. Josh absolutely annihilates Professor Radisson by basically getting him to admit in front of all his students. Why? So do you hate God? And he's like, yes, I hate God. I hate God. And he's like, how can you hate someone? that doesn't exist and then everybody stands up and everyone's like god is not dead literally all 80 of them full converts (laughs) it's a huge success then then they all go to the newsboys a christian concert that actually slaps and everybody goes who's christian in this and professor radisson 
um, like, basically, like, starts to feel his heart change and soften. He's running to the concert because he just knows that his <laughs> so ex is there. Funny. He is running to the concert to tell her. I don't know. He gets hit by a car, <laughs> flies 10 feet into the air. Reverend Dave and his buddy from out of town are sort of like lackadaisically stand around him. And he's like, ah, his ribs are broken and his lungs are filling with blood. Do you accept Christ? And he's like, <laughs> Yeah. And then he dies. And then everyone's like, it's a little bit of pain, but for a lifetime of joy. While the body is right there! A, a, char- a character literally lit by the ambulance and police lights looking down at where this guy just got fucking turned into tomato paste by a sports vehicle says outright this the is a moment worth celebrating ragdolled like if you jump <laughs> off a mountain in skyrim and that's that indignity isn't fucking enough not only that not only is the indignity of being plastered by a car not enough not only is the indignity of having a deathbed confession forced on you by some fucking cretin not only is that not enough but then everyone's favorite right-wing celebrity, Willie Robertson of the Duck <laughs> Dynasty family, has to be zoomed in to the Newsboys conference via telescreen to humiliate him posthumously. Absolutely. He, they do absolutely reference the experiment that happened in an intimate classroom of only 80 students to about 20,000 like concert goers it's god is not mocked bitch oh man it's a great film i just had the best time i'd recommend it to anybody honestly it's actually it's you know it's um such a problem everything about it (laughs) nothing about it is good or helpful (laughs) and it you know, in the wrong headspace, it, you could leave feeling real terrible. <laughs> were, were any of you, I'm curious, were any of you ready for how mean-spirited and cruel this movie is? Like, God, no. God fucking curses that live journalist like she's fucking Job with tumors you know like like she just looked into the ark after talking about how she doesn't need god's covenant in ancient syria or whatever like it is like nobody who's christian experiences anything bad in this movie well no that's not true david please oh i'm sorry i'm sorry reverend dave cannot get a car to start so please <laughs> I thought you were talking about the the um apostate Cancer Muslim mama? girl whose bother beats her over her apostasy, but I will say that the movie did devote more attention to Pastor Dave being unable to get a working rental car. So <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough. True like we've said so many things 
f- plot threads, those are all further <laughs> down the alphabet than Reverend Dave being unable to start the Absolutely. car. That is solidly the B plot. Like, time devoted to uh, owning atheist in the classroom, probably 50 minutes of this hour and 50 minute movie. Reverend Dave trying to start a car, probably 32 minutes. He just, he simply cannot. Here's a good sign of how you can track the trajectory of right-wing politics from this movie in part. It's 2014, so Pastor Dave and, uh... His name is Reverend Jude, but I don't know if it's ever said in the movie. Uh, so he and Pastor Dave are going to Disney World. Um, I will say this film very obviously takes place in Baton Rouge, so it makes sense as a drive. That's like eight hours. Um, they're going to Disney World, despite the fact that the Disney Corporation is grooming children into gender (laughs) ideology. Yeah. Very curious thing. But of course, in 2014, they weren't doing that because no right winger had even thought of that gobbledygook combination of words. Um, so, you know, at that point, you know, this is for a movie for people who don't despise America like the contemporary right does, but feel a sort of aggrieved need to defend it from lib journalists like the woman who God curses with tumors. Um, so that that's... woman who just loves microwaving styrofoam and plastic cups. <laughs> I love how they lib code her. I wrote this down. The, the, <laughs> the bumper stickers on her car are visual shorthand for get a load of this lib as she's crawling into the car to give the most unprepared and unrehearsed ambush interview of all time to the Duck Dynasty. Wait, so you guys man. kill ducks? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where she asks him factual questions that everybody knows the answer to. Um, but her car has three bumper stickers on it. One says, meat is murder. One says, <gasps> I heart, and it's like a heart, revolution. And the other says, American humanist. Now, I'm just saying, if this movie was made in 2022, they would have picked different bumper stickers. Um, to depict a lib, they would have been like, I love molesting kids. Um, I love calling America irredeemably racist, which is a, ter- a turn of phrase that exists entirely within the right-wing imaginary irredeemably racist. It's like how they're obsessed with the term whitey. Like they Wait, heard what? Gil, they oh, heard Gil Scott Heron say do Whitey on the Moon in the 1970s and they never psychically recovered. <laughs> American humanists. They, they aren't saying, they aren't saying Black Lives Matter yet. Right. They aren't saying trans women are women yet. They're saying meat is murder, which yeah, is right. why she corners the Duck Dynasty guy to be like, I'm to understand uh, that you market things that are designed to kill ducks. Now, is it true that they will be killing ducks? <laughs> Don't you know that that kills them? Of course, they have her ask, uh, what do you say to people who are offended? Which has the audience <laughs> has the audience just howling, taking their shirts off and spinning them around. <laughs> Um, Shooting guns up in the air in the movie. (laughs) Swinging their six shooters around, waving their cowboy hats. Uh, David, uh, I actually had a couple of questions for you. As, um, 
as an academic, you've, you've like, TA'd for several classes, right? Sure. How did your students react when you passed out the God is Dead pledge? That's one. Well, so, um, I got my MA at the University of Georgia, um, which of, like, big SEC state schools is, um, one that you'll, you'll often get, it's not really... Uh, a party school in the sense that some other SEC schools are. You get a lot of students who, who are there and they're really concerned with their professional development. And so, you know, like their, their big concern is grades. Like, you know, I mean, I, how can I still get an A in the class? Question answered by the syllabus. Um, how can I get an A in this class? Why did I receive a B on this grade? And so when I told them you'll fail the section worth 30% of your grade, explained in a somewhat confusing fashion a la Sorbo, I mean, most of them were sheep. They, they signed it and they filled it in. And I sort of, you know, I, I, I did the thing where you like bang the papers on the podium to get them all even. And I went, <laughs> um, what I know, what I do, I, of course, you know, a, a real TA would never hand out a, a sheet telling students to write God is dead. What I had them write is America is irredeemably racist. <laughs> and if they wouldn't, they had to debate me. And I am proud to say I kicked so many 18-year-old asses in that debate. You know, I humiliated them. I told them that they were bad because they are white. Um, and then when they said, but David, you're white too, I called in the woke mob to beat the shit out of them. This is so I will say that, you know, this movie, as as I think I mentioned, is is a very realistic, very fastidiously researched depiction of academia. For example, it makes sense that you have no fucking idea what Professor Radisson's specialty or research focus might be. No clue. Um, at the beginning, at the, in his first class, he lists a list of names of which the first is conspicuously Michel Foucault. Who is a philosopher? Um, but then he lists other names, including Bertolt Brecht, which the he playwright. Says, he says Bertolt Brecht. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, he just and, and like Richard Dawkins, who's a biologist, and I don't think you know makes any claim to being a philosopher. Like his expertise seems to be in like Reddit tier sub. Reddit tier arguments for atheism. Also, like, and look, this is a film adaptation of a meme. I don't want to be unrealistic in what I expect of it, but you never see him do anything that a professor would do. So he listens to Vivaldi at a dinner party. That's how you know. So, like, but he doesn't seem to advise any graduate students. He doesn't seem to do anything related to his job outside of work other than throw dinner parties um which is like like what and one of the things that's so that i found so funny about josh wheaton's uh little deliveries of sophistry every uh every class session is that like if you're an expert in philosophy this shit he's saying should be really easy to tear apart <laughs> like for example he in the last in the last lecture he says you know like well why doesn't professor radisson allow you to cheat 
Where does that morality come from? Where does morality come from if you Real don't have God? And, and it's like, well, gosh, you know, if only there were a field of human inquiry that had been investigating this question for literally thousands of years with many answers provided by various titanic thinkers and people working on what they did you know, where that Professor Radisson could perhaps cite to answer his question of where is morality without God. I think that it really speaks to the sort of intellectual level this movie is operating on, that when Professor Radisson cites a random offhand quote by Stephen Hawking, he describes him as, oh, quote, yes, yes. the world's most famous scientist. <laughs> like, a Trump like, honorific. <laughs> that's that's the sort of level this movie is operating on. <laughs> there's there's huge problems in humanities academia, but what humanities scholars do for a living is tear apart each other's arguments and try and revise them and build on them and stuff. And so like it's silly for me to focus on this, but for Professor Radisson to be so easily destroyed by such so... naked sophistry is just so... It, it, like, makes me wonder, like, this guy's in the running to be the head of the department? Like, he mentions that at the dinner party? Like, he's not some embarrassment who lucked his way into tenure? Unbelievable. He is emotionally in distress at the first utterance of Josh's arguments and it's just like I feel like you gotta be a little bit more ready for this you asked him to do it he he, (laughs) he wrote it's like in the syllabus like you wouldn't know and this is I don't know the implication is that he has been a teacher a a professor there for a long long time and this is the first theist he's run across (laughs) when a guy was like I'm a little uncomfortable writing and signing God's not dead on a piece of paper he reacted as though he were seeing a corpse God (laughs) is dead God is dead. You know, Excuse me. I, everybody's been making this mistake. They really thought they had rhetorical gold with God's not dead, but all it does is confuse people who talk about the movie on a podcast. The couple seconds at the beginning where, uh, what's the what's the main kid's name? Shane Harper. There we go. Shane. He looks like a Shane Harper. He's the one who's. Uh, singing that country song over the credits the title comes up and it says god's dead but wait oh wait they fucking got you they fucking got you you stupid pussy they wrote not over god's dead it says god's not dead you thought he was dead this movie came along and said no no baby girl think again a theater full of people standing up when it says god's dead going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like they think the train is gonna hit them yeah, exactly. <laughs> i okay okay i i had a lot of thoughts about this movie and um I think I went in expecting something a little closer to um, the the movie that was was Dead Horse's like Maidenhead voyage into reviewing what I guess is now one of our pockets, which is uh, right wing fascist propaganda. <laughs> that movie is like low rent. That movie. Are you talking about feels... Saving Christmas? 
Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, we reviewed Sa- Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas, which so looks and feels <laughs> so fucking low rent, so fucking grainy. This movie has a weird production value yes. about it. This movie looks and feels like it, especially like the the very clean like digital photography. It has this kind of like handsome polished like professionalism to it yeah um things like even very simple things that are like a really big giveaway for like an amateurish indie production things like staging where the camera is observing the 180 degree rule good framing good lighting um pretty good staging of actors um i will even say there are moments where this screenplay sounds just like a real screenplay. Yeah. Um, there are even moments where I really got the feeling that um, these actors who don't normally get to do this kind of stuff because they are so busy being chased out of Hollywood by the PC police and the woke mob. Um, <laughs> and that they, they actually like, I kept getting this feeling that, um, Kevin Sorbo was actually getting to kind of, like, sink his teeth into something. Um, But that sort of makes it funnier to me. Like, it makes it way more interesting to me that this movie has, like, the handsome polish of, like, like a, a pharmaceutical commercial or a Hallmark movie, which is the other thing most of these people mainly work on is, like, Hallmark stuff. Um, I don't know how many movies titled, like, The Christmas Sig, uh, Dean Cain <laughs> has been the star of. Kevin Sorbo, he delivers a performance like he's the villain in a legal thriller. And yes. it's it's clear that if, if there if there is anyone who had fun with the role, yes. it's him. It's totally he Sorbo. But it's also, it. it's also totally inappropriate for the stakes being... If he if he fails, he gets a C in the class. <laughs> like you think he's you think he's gonna be like, you better not share any information about the Wayland Utani Corporation at the upholding meeting. <laughs> but instead, it's it's he says there is a god in my classroom, and it's me. <laughs> Which is something a lot of atheists do. Yes. <laughs> they really will just get up in your face and be like, I am the master of my own story, and you will bow down. And no atheist I know doesn't do that. He's listing off famous atheists, and he's listing like, okay, what do these people have in common? All right? Ayn Rand, Ricky Gervais, <laughs> Kanye West. Okay? They are all atheists, and they are God, just like me. Here's my point. Here's my point. That this so closely resembles, like, a real movie actually feels like it removes the window and lets me feel like I am looking directly into how, like, right-wing fundies actually, like, view the world around them and view the people who inhabit it. Um... I mean, really, the funnest part of this movie is just figuring out, like, I guess these people don't leave the megachurch very often, because their understanding Their cars won't start. (laughs) 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 
God couldn't let them go to Disney World on a date with each other. <laughs> you bring up, it is funny that two, like, 40-something men are, like, looking forward for their their duo trip to Disney World. They, they're just gonna go around holding hands with little Mickey-shaped balloons. <laughs> Ima- imagine those two, like, wearing mouse kit ears. <laughs> Like, skipping together. By the way, before I I talk too much about um, Pastor Jude and Pastor Dave, is that it? Oh, it's Pastor Dave. They say his name a lot of times. Reverend Jude, Reverend Dave. And before I say anything about the fact that the movie ends with Josh taking Martin Yip to the Newsboys concert instead of his girlfriend. Before we talk about any of those things, I do need to make it clear on the podcast, I am allowed to use the word faggot. (laughs) 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 Just so so we know what the score is. There we go. I have... I signed the form (laughs) (laughs) that you passed out to each of us. I was gonna do a lecture, but I don't want to risk thirty percent of my grade. I have the uh, I have the woke mob on beck and call, and I sent a <laughs> I sent one hundred text messages to them saying you can't beat up PJ for using the F slur. I don't know the the way they imagine what is it like to be a Muslim girl with traditional parents who who might occasionally have some questions about wanting to do things differently than her parents or what her relationship with Christianity would be, uh, how they imagine uh, Amy the atheist blogger and her deserved cancer. Um, This is the thing that I keep coming back to is like, do they really not believe that anyone on this campus would be any variation of Christian? That there wouldn't be... I mean, there's, there's like two or three black kids in this class, one of whom they let talk once or twice. When he identifies himself as G-Dog. Uh. That's, that's right. Do they, do they not imagine that anyone in this classroom has had any contact with faith whatsoever before Josh comes in and blows their minds. Uh, well, you're getting at one of the things that I, I think is fascinating about this is how it sort of, sort of reveals the right-wing evangelical, this is clearly evangelical, not Catholic Christianity, it really gives you a view into the right-wing evangelical mental universe. And another thing about it that I found particularly amusing was like, so when when Duck Dynasty Willie gets ambush interviewed by uh, atheist blogger, who uh, desert, who deservedly gets cursed with terminal cancer by God for her lack of faith. She is shrill and nasty and like barely in control of herself. And Willie is like relaxed and gracious and it's just water off a duck's back to him. And off so is, so back. is, so is Josh really when he's in the, in the yeah. classroom. But what's so funny is like you guys are, so perpetually pissed off that you made a movie about how mad you are. Um, like, and similarly, like, um, when the Muslim father tells his daughter who is dissatisfied, he says like, and I, I wrote this down. He tells her like, you know, daughter of mine, you may look out at these people and they may seem happy, yeah, but they're not. 
And you know what? He's right. They're not happy. They're enraged. They're aggrieved at all times. Aggrieved enough to make this fucking movie. And the the impetus for for him saying that is is a a woman approaches. Oh my god! A, pro- approaches her <laughs> as she is putting on her hijab and goes, "You're beautiful." I wish you didn't have to do that. <laughs> what the fuck? That's so like she's she, a like, hero. That, <laughs> nobody does stuff like that. That girl fucking microaggressions our Muslim apostate hero, and we're and like it. it re- truly, different mental universe where like going up to some woman in a hijab and telling her like. You're beautiful. I wish you didn't have to wear that. Is a is a mark of kindness and not like a weird, alienating, aggressive thing to say. It was awful. It made me laugh. I watched it. I rewound it and watched it two times. <laughs> Peach, I love. I was just gonna say, I love what you were saying. I had the same reaction to this movie, where this this. The production value, and honestly, the perfectly fine, for the most part, acting, like, generally, gives this movie a strange credibility, and therefore, just like you said, gives it, like, a really bizarrely, I'm assuming, accurate window into the way that, like, Christian fundamentalists view the world, and it's... It's so interesting to watch made-up archetypes (laughs) in order to, like, confirm their own biases and stuff. Because I've never... I've met annoying atheists, for sure. And I've met, you know, I've met a hateful atheist who was, like, 21. But I've never met an atheist so hateful at 55 that he bullied a barely 18-year-old um, and then, but only on his shaky foundation to only then convert to Christ later. Like, the, the depictions of belief in this are so exaggerated and uh, idealized. It's really, it was really interesting to watch because I was expecting something real low budge like Kirk Cameron that I could just, like, sort of chuckle at and like tune out but it it made you pay attention because everything was very watchable yeah like there's none of the like weird outsiderness quality that you can get with like really fringy stuff is is going on here i mean i don't i'm not sure that i even want to know like where pure flicks found like their funding or like who their fucking angel investors are like what what sort of like shady like like deal have have they struck to be able to make these movies look this good but we do forget sometimes that there are plenty of like people with like weird shitty ideology who go to film school or like learn a trade and then work in like like, the rank-and-file, like, technical parts of the film industry and kind of know what they're doing. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure... I mean, maybe maybe Kirk Cameron saving Christmas isn't the best thing that Liberty University's film department has ever put together. What it gives me is, like, these people aren't uneducated. 
that that's the thing and i think it is kind of like telling of the stripe of christianity that they are that they like this this has like the unmistakable smell of like expensively educated but fucking stupid yeah <laughs> where they they know how to really like they know how to frame shots and angles to kind of have these nice little planes of 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 action that kind of observe the the rule of thirds in framing they they know how to they know how to make that look good they know how to light um a dark interior or a bright exterior their night exteriors look pretty good um but it it is all filtered through like just an incredibly dim have not left the cave idea of of like what other people in this world that you're lecturing to are about now obviously this movie wasn't made to like convert the unconverted it, it was made for people to go and have their faith confirmed and it worked really well um god's not dead i think there's a statistic out there that says that it was like this was the most successful american independent film of 2014 oh my it god two million dollar budget grossed 65 million dollars <gasps> It was a huge success for Pure Flix. Um, it birthed this, obviously, this entire franchise. And a lot of these people have gone on to do, like, tons of other stuff like this. I mean, the the screenwriting duo of this movie, uh, I think it's Chuck Konzelman and Carrie Solomon. Um, <laughs> they've written a ton of other stuff together. I think the first thing they did... It looks like it was a Mickey Rourke movie called Point Blank. Hmm. Um, they've they've done all t- all kinds of other like swill together, but one of the more recent ones they did, they directed this one. It's it's a movie called Unplanned, and it's a movie Uh-oh. about abortion. <laughs> the 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 plot summary goes thus: All Abby Johnson ever wanted to do was help women. As one of the youngest Planned Parenthood clinic directors in the nation. She believed in a woman's right to choose. Until the day she saw something that changed everything. Oh no. It was just one of those videos of like really shitty graphics of a baby getting pulled out. <laughs> the uh, the the movie's uh, approach to uh, gender politics is uh, is I think also sort of revealing of the right wing imaginary and mental universe. So like um, Phyllis Schlafly, um, who was very famous as an anti uh, feminist sort of speaker and public intellectual. She wrote this uh, this piece called uh, "What's Wrong with Women's Rights." I think it's called. I should have looked it up, and so I could have a real citation for you. But she sort of laid out this argument against American feminism as it existed in the seventies, eighties, which is that women suffer all over the world, and it's only in sort of bourgeois America that women experience the liberation of not having to experience constant drudgery and labor and all of that. And so the feminists, you know, these left-wing feminists ought to shut up and be happy with what they've got. 
it's a very and and one of the things I, I found so interesting about that is like when she describes um like how and it, it's it's a it's a pretty racist piece of writing. Um, she sort of contrasts white America with the with woman's lot in the rest of the world. Um, but what's funny is that like at times she sounds like a Marxist feminist, concerned with labor, concerned with the gendered division of labor and how it affects mm. women's lives. But all of this is to sort of defend white, middle-class American culture as being liberatory for women compared to any other possible option. They'll, they'll in later films, they'll have really sort of very poorly argued explanations for why, if you think about it, our version of right-wing evangelical fem- uh, of Christianity is really feminist, if you think about it. Um, and, and it's... But of course, they're they're hostile to those values in as much as they are left wing values at the same time. It's um, it's it's incredibly revealing, Becky. I really love the way you put it when you said um, imaginary archetypes, um, mm. because that is like that's the confidence with which these movies presents all non-evangelical characters as though they're wearing commedia dell'arte masks and we're supposed to immediately be like ah that's the rascally italian servant you know um and like and and it presents it, it presents all evangelicals all christians as being constantly embattled constantly having their faith questioned from every possible angle and all atheists or people who are simply not christian as never ever having encountered anyone remotely questioning their faith because their entire worldview and reasoning breaks down at the slightest provocation. And they're mean. And they're very mean. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine, can you imagine just being somebody who's interested in philosophy registering (laughs) for this class? So like, I can't uh, wait for college. So there's, there's a few moments, there's a few moments that I thought were, were close to, close to resembling something that people experience in real life like in professor radisson's opening monologue before he gets into how michel foucault was an atheist he's like he says you know if you were looking for an a's easy a it's time to leave if you're in the wrong classroom it's probably time to leave those sort that sort of shtick and and intro is is like real also the only moment that brought me close to like amusement on the film writers and producers terms was when josh is giving his first talk and he identifies someone as being a theist and a girl in the audience who happens to be sitting next to professor radisson raises her hand and says what's a theist and <laughs> professor radisson like raises his eyebrows incredulously because he cannot believe that a student who's come this far would be asking that question <laughs> that that's real that that is real shit but imagine if you're somebody who like read some hegel in high school <laughs> and you were interested in hearing their ideas discussed more fully and you learn that the next the timeline of this movie is unclear, but the next, I don't know, several class sections will involve a ritualized debate between the professor <laughs> and a freshman. Like, 
that's the point when I am packing my bag yeah. and leaving the class. Like, hell fucking no. Can you imagine a freshman <laughs> who, like, you come to college to learn from these accomplished scholars and you learn that, no, instruction is going to be taken over for the next several class sections when we could have been talking about Aristotle. We're going to give it over to an 18-year-old or 19-year-old to try and prove the existence of God, I am packing my bags. I'm dropping the class. I am desperate to find something that won't be so insane. I guess that's where we differ because I stayed for all three and then I stood up at the end and I said, God is not dead. It's also, it's also, I would say, not an overwhelming concern of philosophy broadly defined whether god exists or not yeah like, it's not he, like the only thing <laughs> he brings up at one point he brings up like all right so if you all sign this we will um be able to move on yeah. from pointless <laughs> debates and discuss being in reality i.e discuss metaphysics a really important concern of philosophy as a field how do we know what's real? How do we, and, and this blends into like epistemology, the study of knowledge. How do we know things? What is truth? How can the human mind divine these things? All of these sorts of questions to me are a little more valuable than watching an unlearned 19 year old debate the professor. <laughs> I will say though, that this 18-year-old named Joss Whedon apparently summered at New Zealand under the watchful eye of Peter Jackson as he essentially ran Weta's studios because this man has the PowerPoint skills yes. of, like... <laughs> oh, my God. Like the technical prowess of uh, the Internet Age Rob Botine. He's just this <laughs> fucking young guy who knows exactly... He, is, he just I, threw it together. Yeah. He had a little extra time. While I was watching those moments, I was thinking about y'all talking about the Da Vinci Code. And I was thinking like, oh, they're going to love these PowerPoints. I love These them. are some, some really exciting PowerPoints that are a pleasure to view as a, as a movie audience. Sir Ian McKellen, who has spent in those films probably the better part of five to six decades looking for the best way to convey the information he knows. Does not do a, as good a job at PowerPoints as a guy who started dating his girlfriend when they were both 12. <laughs> yes! Okay, so I was, when, when, when she was threatening to break up with him and when she did break up with him, I wrote down like, Man, Josh got out of a six-year romantic relationship like it was water off a duck's back. And then I thought, six years? College freshman? Oh my god! Like, I will tell you. I will tell you. The, the sort of like... The, the sort of like romantic or dating values that take place within a lot of like right-wing Christianity. Um, I... I I gather it's especially like this in like evangelical churches. They they don't encourage anything physical to happen in a relationship until marriage, but they do encourage how do I put this? Wife hunting. Um from like a pretty young age because it does seem like it's it's this sort of fantasy to like marry your high school sweetheart. And of course that's like kind of 
I guess romantic in its in its own way if you arrive at an adult relationship with someone that you've really grown up with and bonded with that way but um I'm I'm I have no doubt that in the universe of this movie uh the proud Mr. and Mrs. Wheaton um who wow the the genes on those two cuz Josh <laughs> is handsome um why was that necessary <laughs> Um, <laughs> I found a photo of him from Hightown, and he's looking absolutely yoked. He could not, he Whoa, changed, what? and he, like, shaved his head, and I was like, I want to see what he does. I wonder what the actor's Did you bring like. enough hunk for the class? Yeah, over. yeah. No, I my phone died, but look it up. You'll be like, okay, that's good. I Look, I don't know. Josh seems incredibly well-adjusted. And you know, like a like a pretty good boyfriend. Mm. He knows. Look, our six year anniversary is coming up. We've got to get tickets to the News Boys. <laughs> I love the News Boys. Is it News Boys or New Boys? I think it's News Boys. They have to news spread the. They're spreading the word. They're spreading the good news. Just like the Newsies. That's right. I find it very funny when. When adult men identify themselves as a group, as a group of boys. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like the news boys are, are not are not particularly notable with this, but it, it did, did just make me laugh because they're all like 40. <laughs> hey, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Wouldn't it be funny if the stagehand came in and was like, uh, boys, we're on now. <laughs> News boys, you're on in five. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're praying. <laughs> my my favorite Scooter from the Muppet show coming back to collect the newsboys. Dixon, I'm sorry, please continue what you No, were you're say. fine. Um my, but that is, I think, my favorite scene in the movie because it is, like, the epitome of that dynamic you were talking about earlier, David, where the um, the atheist, cursed, left-wing blogger, uh, runner of thenewleft.com, I guess. Which got almost a million views in a month. Another sign of the times of it being 2014 before all politics was just rival shit posting. <laughs> she is aware that she is dying. Um, she has uh, her her horrible, similarly atheist boyfriend just broke up with her. I think maybe he also hit a dude with her car, but she doesn't know that. Is that him? I think because in the so they do the sort of like wrap up. Um, Magnolia, everybody's singing Amy Mann montage at the end to God's Not Dead, where... Um, Season 5 finale of The Wire, everything is connected. <laughs> yes, I do believe that that fellow was the one who hits Kevin Sorbo, because they oh. look at him receiving the text message, God's Not Dead, from somebody, and then they, like, pan out, um, they zoom out, rather, or just remove themselves from the car, and I believe it's the one that just ran down Kev Kevin Sorbon. But that scene where the newsboys are being accosted by leftist bloggers um, is the epitome of that dynamic you're talking about earlier, David, where the Christians remain cool and calm and collected, and the any leftist is just like bursting at their physical seams with anxiety and in her case tumors like she she 
She comes in and is just like quite clearly a destroyed person. And she's like, so you're going to go out there and sing about God, huh? (laughs) And because I'm sure it was their direction, but also they're such miserable actors that they're just like, yeah, we're going to do that. (laughs) Are you you all right, (laughs) ma'am? They have really unexpected um, Australian or perhaps New Zealand accents that made me think of the Wiggles. (laughs) (laughs) we met six years ago at the wiggles concert (laughs) josh wheaton was the oldest guy at the wiggles concert because it's the only stuff he was allowed to take in um it's very um it's very funny that the biggest non-christian asshole in the movie gets off scot-free like the the all he gets is he gets um and honestly like this was in some sort of different, better movie, the scene where he confronts his dementia-addled mother and she suddenly becomes hyper-lucid and is, like, speaking like the Metatron, the voice of God to him. <laughs> like, that, I, I saw that and I was like, in a, in a different universe, this scene would be effective. But also, it's like God has been content to curse the other non-believers in this movie, with terminal cancer that's already metastasized when she gets the diagnosis, and with getting flattened by a fucking car. And the one person in this movie who's, like, really clearly just a force for evil in the world, like, he's talking about insider trading in his first scene on a conference call and stuff, he gets all fucking scot-free. And I would venture that this also tells us something about the right-wing mental universe, but I don't want to go too far with that and over-interpret it. But it's like, white-collar crime, God will wait to punish you, (laughs) but being a lib journalist, you better be ready for some fucking tumors (laughs) to spread to your lymph nodes. (laughs) Can we talk about Dean Cain for a second? Because I think he's... He's fascinating. I mean, we, the God's Not Dead series, as I can tell, is this, like, this, like, who's who of, like, conservative Hollywood losers who have not been relevant in, like, a very long time, getting trotted out as, like, proof that this movie has some, like, marquee legitimacy. This, this will happen where, like, I, I, I don't know. Fox News will pretend that, like, I don't know, Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and like, tons of other, like, famous actors who are, like, registered John Republicans. Voight. John, John Voight. Adam Sandler, for, for fuck's sake. They will pretend that they are not Republicans so that it can feel like a big deal to them when they get the, the star of TV's Lois and Clark uh, to come on and and contribute to a segment about liberal Hollywood, and and they'll they'll act so proud. Um, this is an interesting thing to me about the right is that they they hate Hollywood. They they hate like the circle of like media and art, but they also like so fucking desperately want to be legitimized by it. Like they they want celebrities. And the closest that they can get is, like, Steve Ducey on Fox News will be like, well, we've got a big star of our own, uh, none other than Superman himself, uh, TV's own Dean Cain. 
is is in is in the studio tonight. Now Dean Kane is not quite as like far right psycho nuts on Twitter as Kevin Sorbo is. Like Kevin Sorbo is like constantly publicly fucking stupid. I, I I tried to find some of his like his hits. I definitely remember on January sixth he tweeted, "It's happening." And then there was like a series <laughs> of, of tweets as he was like. Okay, guys, we're not Antifa, so just be nice to the police and don't get too crazy. And then one tweet later, he's like, I am uh, so disgusted with the conduct that I've seen today. He has a tweet from, like, a couple weeks before this recording. Is this Kevin says, or Dean? Kevin. Okay. Um, so names. <laughs> Is this Kevin or Dean? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a, real, a, a real Kevin's choice. Um <laughs> s- s- so my body, my choice, except when it comes to student loan debt, that's when <laughs> someone else should step in. Yes! Can I talk about the clock argument? Because this is something I wrote down, which is I, I can't write. I hand wrote my notes while watching. And at one point I wrote, I cannot hand write fast enough to keep track with the shitty arguments Josh is making. But one in particular stood out to me. So he brings up Darwin, and he brings up um, Darwin's quote. It's something like, nature does not jump. Yeah. Right? Like, nature moves slowly. And in, in, that is, it moves way more slowly than, like, human perception is built to intuitively comprehend, right? And that's something that's important when you consider Hist- uh, like a, a sort of natural history that spans millions, hundreds of millions of years. So here's how Josh responds to that. He says, well, what if you considered the age of the universe and fit it into a 24-hour day? Then life, as it, cur- as it is known, only exists for 90 seconds of that 24 hours. And he actually says, in evolutionary terms, that's nothing. That's just something you made up in evolutionary terms. That's nothing. And yeah, 90 seconds is very little of a 24-hour day. But if the 24-hour day is 8 billion years, then 90 seconds is a shitload of time. Yeah. It does not... Nature did not fucking jump. No, it's you just like let this. there be light. It's the same. It's proof. <laughs> In his first, in his first sophistry lecture, he says, he talks about the Big Bang and he says, the Bible was right while thousands of years of science got it wrong, which how could you not think of Mac and it's always sunny in Philadelphia doing his science is a liar sometime presentation? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. I... I just want to sidebar quick. I think that we've been operating under the assumption everybody already knows that we think this, but I think we really need to, like, genuinely talk about how disgusting the portrayal of Aisha and her father are. It's the same thing about imaginary archetypes in that, like, Christians are like, I recognize this. And it's like, Well, of course, you wouldn't recognize a Muslim family that really cared for their children and wanted to hear what they had to say and uh, despite being traditional would like 
lovingly hear their children out or parent non-abusively, like, or maybe someone who wears hijab is really empowered by it. Like, there's just, like, so much nuance to it that uh, what I, I could not believe what they boiled this down to because I thought, well, no way. Like, they must find some sort of beauty in another religion and find a parallel. But no, it was full shitting on them. Full shitting. I couldn't believe it. In in a movie that is filled brim with, like, the most disgusting type of shorthand, it still really jumped off of the screen as just, like, the purest form of, of offensive ignorance. It was alarming to watch yeah. even though like you know i as, as i was watching this movie i didn't expect them to treat the issue sensitively no. by any means but it still is just like full like the 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 father does have his hand around his daughter's neck, neck upon finding uh an ipod that is playing franklin someone talking graham about- franklin graham oh is that a guy it's he's a major guy in the history of evangelicalism and right wing evangelicalism. Like Franklin Graham is somebody who was had like a direct line to Reagan. Whoa! Um, oh, whoa. and his son is Billy Graham. Oh, um, that's whoa! An yeah. Um. The the Muslim thing it it gets back to to what I was saying about like right wing feminism because like when lib journalist confronts Duck Dynasty man <laughs> Willie. <laughs> When she confronts Willie, she very accusingly is like, so your wife goes along with whatever you do? And his, and which is perhaps the closest thing to a genuine ambush interview question that you get from her. And Willie's wife says basically, yes. Um, and I don't feel disempowered or, you know, um, oppressed by it. So it's like, um, It's like you need to trade that awful patriarchal authority for for the good kind of patriarchal authority <laughs> dominance, which is what exists yeah. among right wing Christians. Because again, this movie will not give left wing feminists an inch. No, but you forgot you can also show your blonde hair. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't it have been great if we got a reveal that Aisha had bleached her hair <laughs> by the end of it? At the Newsboys Club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's like, I am beautiful. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> It took me until this viewing to piece together. I've watched this movie a couple times because, like, sometimes I'll have friends over and I'll be like, oh, you want to have some fun? We should put this on. It'll, it's a riot. Um, and it took me until this long to realize that Aisha's not a student. Yeah. She just works oh, yeah. In, she the, works uh, the in the cafeteria. Um, and so, like, her connection to the other happenings of this movie is... Is that in- she serves the heroes and is enlightened by the things that they have to say yeah. because she's in their orbit. These are these are the good things that come from working for these people, is that you, you might get to pick up some ideological crumbs from them off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's, funny that, it's funny that he quotes C.S. Lewis, who is, like, the king oh, yeah. of Christian apologetics... Christian apologetics in, like, the the traditional sense of the term apologetics, like an intellectual tradition of trying to sort of use reason to justify the Christian faith. It's funny because C.S. Lewis has a pretty famous quote, which I'm going to butcher a little bit, but you'll get the gist. 
where he essentially says an atheist can no more diminish the glory of God than uh, an, an asylum patient can make the sun not exist just because he says there's no sun. Um, which is, it's funny that, you know, the head of the newsboys praises Josh for, quote, defending God's honor in this debate. Because if you're a big C.S. Lewis reader, you should be aware that that is not a necessity for being a Christian. Mm, because atheists cannot diminish the glory of God. That's straight from C.S. Lewis's mouth to your ears. Isn't it fucked up at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia series when Aslan tells like uh, the kids, like, oh, by the way, you died in a train accident. <laughs> <laughs> It's fucked up in the Chronicles of Narnia when, upon going through the wardrobe, Mr. Tumnus hands all three of the kids a, 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 a thing to be signed saying Aslan's dead. I will not sign this unless I get some fucking Turkish delight stat. There, so, reviews of this movie are difficult. For the most part, all 10 out of 10 or 1 out of 10 ratings on this movie are just walls of text written by either the most spurned possible atheist or someone who's just like deep in the pocket in terms of like this echoing their faith and value system. So I'm trying to find a few quick corkers and we'll start off light 10 out of 10 amazing movie. Love it. God is not dead. Love this movie. That's great. Four out of 11 (laughs) found it helpful. This one (laughs) Another 10 out of 10, but there's a sentence in here that really, really um, disquiets me on some primordial level. This film will help through these times because you will see faith in action against the enemy. (laughs) Sorted things out during the film. (laughs) (laughs) He was like writing, taking notes, like really weighing the arguments. (laughs) Can I can I get can I give you all like a little a little preview of what's in store for you for the rest of the series? No spoilers. I'll be very broad. Um, so the second movie, I regret to tell you, is incredibly boring. Um, <laughs> but there is a casting decision in it that will make all of you hoot and holler and leap up and down and click your heels and slap your knees in delight (laughs) because it's so fucking unexpected given the other stuff that he's been in. Uh, God's Not Dead 3 is, and this is like saying, um, you know, a a turd that's a four on the Bristol scale is better than (laughs) diarrhea. Uh, God's Not Dead 3 is the best in the series. It's the closest to doing things that a real movie would actually do. It has character work in it. Like, it's very focused on Pastor Dave and his foibles and his need to grow and learn. Though... There are also things in it that make it that message extremely disingenuous. But the fact that the, the message was like, we all need to come together. Atheists and Christians alike need to settle down and stop hating each other and we can come together. It's very disingenuously delivered, but it's like the closest thing to a movie that speaks to our mental universe and not just the... Hall of Mirrors fantasy land in which contemporary right-wingers live. 
The fourth movie is batshit insane. I'm excited. The fourth movie, which I think is a 2020 or 2021 release date, you hear COVID in it, though nobody's wearing a mask mm. in the movie. And mm. you also hear, Wait. like, Five years of right-wing radicalization in that movie. It is insane. So insane that I kind of wish I'd asked to guest on that episode. But, you know, I figured, oh, I'm theoretically an academic in training, <laughs> so the college setting is more appropriate. And the, But it's batshit. Like, you'll probably have the most fun watching that one. I'm very sorry that you all have to do God's Not Dead 2 next. Um, but but that's what's in store for you. Boring ass movie, best movie, which is sort of damning by faint praise. Batshit insane fourth entry. And there's a fifth one on the way. Wait, really? Announced this week. Shut oh up! My God, no, lucky us. All right, so you know you'll have to have me on. Oh for my part God! Five so we have a, a whole other. We we're gonna have to put it in the middle of like our Wishmaster series. Do we or have something. to go see You're it in theaters? You're professionally obligated to do so. <laughs> Is this one we go see in theaters? It'll be yeah. It's it'll be great. It'll be like my second time seeing Becky in person ever. <laughs> <laughs> It really, those two times also really helped your faith, right? They demolished it. (laughs) So let me me ask you, as as we're wrapping up here, I mean, did you all take out your phones and send a hundred text messages? We just kind of sent God's Not Dead to to the group chat like a couple times. (laughs) A good amount. Yeah. A hundred text messages. That's not a small order. Like, even if it is three (laughs) words. During a song. That's a lot of text. Everyone, we came out to play this song for you so just go ahead and be on your phone for the whole thing <laughs> literally it would take so and... much time all right hold on just gotta uh this person and i aren't really talking right now uh they should that's my dealer. they should know though <laughs> you should text your dealer god's not dead my dealer would not be phased by me just sending him weird christian stuff <laughs> don't know about I, yours I, do... <laughs> I like the idea of someone going through their contacts in in the newsboys concert and just being like wait who's ralph yeah it just one that says like ted parentheses weird guy from work god's not dead um <laughs> Uh, yeah, dug out one last one to close us out on. Um, it's from Jesus Christ F. This one's on Rotten Tomatoes, five stars. Funny how so many people specifically search the movie just to criticize it. Saying the movie is filthy, but you are the one that is sick. Oh, got me burned. He's I am got sick. my number. I have a sinus infection. And I'm sick spiritually. So they got me in that way. <laughs> Did anybody else have... Something they wanted to throw in. Um, it's funny that lib journalist Amy has the same right-wing kind of soundtrack as the rest of the movie. When she's, like, blogging and listening to music, <laughs> it's, like, that same anodyne, just, like, really bad um, right-wing musical soundscape of... Uh, <laughs> Of sort of Christian rock. It, it was just like funny. Like they couldn't have had her listening to, I don't know, black metal or punk yeah, something, or something. Rap music. Yeah, rap <laughs> Talking music. Talking about a bunch of bitches and hoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Jesus Christ. David, thank you thank so you much. Thank you so for much for coming on. by. Thank you. Podcast.
It was an absolute thrill to participate in the Dead Horse Podcast. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much, buddy. Oh my god. Well, I have to go debate some people. I have to go read a letter that my mother wrote me when I was 12 that I keep in my my, my office. So, I have to go eavesdrop on uh, the brilliant minds of the college where I serve them okra. I have to go tell a woman wearing a hijab that I wish she didn't have to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Horses, Dixon, Becky, and PJ. You can find us on Instagram at Dead Horse Podcast. Uh, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd like to thank Max Huffman for our podcast art. Go to his website, maxhuffman.com, and check out all of his cool shit. Um, music this week is by Atlanta musician Tyler Hobbs, also known as Buckhead Shaman. Thank you.